0: turn with me once more to that section of God's holy word that we read earlier. 1 Samuel chapter 6. 1 Samuel chapter number 6. Our text will begin with verse number 19. And he smote the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. And then all the way down to the end of chapter number 7. And verse 17, which reads, And he he returned and was to Ramah, for there was his house, and there he judged Israel. And there he built an altar unto the Lord. Amen. And our title for this evening's message is Turning Unto the Lord. Turning Unto the Lord. If I were to ask you here this evening... What would you think is the great need of our nation? What would you think is the great need of the church in our day? Now, if you went around Scotland and you asked various people, what would they think to that question? What is the great need of our nation? I'm sure many of them would be looking to something other than what is pointed out in scripture. Many will complain about the economy and say, well, the great need of our nation is better representation in government. They will talk about politics. They will talk about poor decision making that has been made. And I'm sure that there's many legitimate things that will be said in that. But is it truly the great need of the nation that we would just have better administrators and people who would bring better services to our communities? Or is it something far greater than that? Something far greater than enters into most people's thinking today. What is the problem? Well, many of us are thinking about the here and now. We're not thinking about eternity. We're not thinking about our heavenly home. And we're not thinking about that eternal value, that riches found in Jesus Christ and in Him and Him alone. Yes, there is much to lament about in Scotland, England, where I live, in Ireland, in Wales. But at the end of the day, what is the great need of both of these islands? Surely, it is a return unto the Lord. Surely, it is a return from the sinful practices that has taken us away. From the truth. From confidence in the truth. And from teaching the next generation to love and to serve the Lord Why are we at such a point? Because modern man thinks he does not need God. Since Genesis chapter 3. We've been faced with the lie. That we would know good and evil. That we can make up the rules as we go along. And we can decide our own destiny. Well we see Where that is leading us. It is a wide road that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. We must see, we're not independent. We must see our great dependence upon God. And without Him, there is defeat. There is nothing outside of Christ but desolation. And we know in our own experience, there is nothing worse than someone who is sick but refuses to see their own illness. They will never look for a cure. They will never look for a solution until they see, till you see your great need of a cure. You must first see the real problem before you can even look for help. In our text that we're going to be looking at here this evening. The people of God have by now they've already entered into the promised land. Canaan. And they've come into this promised land. A land of milk and honey. But what happens? Over and over again they keep forgetting. God. And you see this throughout the book of Judges. Filled with such examples. Now under Samuel. Samuel. At the end of this period of the judges, when every man did that which is right in his own eyes, the reality of sin and the departure from God is seen. And the weakness before the enemies of God in our text, the Philistines, is seen. It would be seen time and time again. God's people would depart from the Word, from the Lord. And fall under the hand of its enemies. What is our great need, friend? We may face many trials and difficulties. But surely, just as much as it is in our text, it is to return unto the Lord. The people of that day. The people of Samuel's day. The people of the time of this text. And at the end of the period of judges needed to return unto the Lord. And friends, so do we. So do we. Our first point this evening is this. Number one, poverty. Poverty. Verse number 19 of chapter number (coughs) 6. Verse 19 of chapter number 6. And he smote the men of Beth Shemesh. Because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. Even he smote of the people 50,000 and three score and ten men. And the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. And also verse number two of the next chapter. Chapter number seven. Verse two. And it came to pass when the ark abode in kirjath Jerem, that the time was long for it was twenty years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. In order for our turning unto the Lord. In order for the people of God in our text to return unto the Lord. They must see poverty. The great poverty in their own souls. Spiritual poverty that they have before the Lord. That they are not enough. And in our own day friends we are still not enough. We lack We come short of the glory of God. Our poverty of spirit is spoken about by Jesus in the Beatitudes. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. The first Beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And because of their poverty of spirit, what is the next Beatitude? Blessed are they that mourn. They mourn. There is a mourning that comes, a lamenting that comes out of seeing this lack that we have in our own souls. There is a sadness in the camp, not not just because of the consequences of sin. There's there's consequences for sin seen here. In verse number 19 of chapter number 6, they look into the ark of the Lord. They are careless. They are poorly handling holy things. Perhaps it's their curiosity when the, the ark of the Lord has been away with the Philistines. What has been done? And they look in, and 50,000 and 70 die. Over 50,000 die. Look at what this says in verse 20. And the men of Beshema said, Who is able to stand before this? Holy Lord God unto whom shall go up from us. They see their poverty. They see their lack. They see that their holiness is not enough. They have transgressed. They've gone beyond a certain line. There's a line in the sand, you could say. And they have crossed it. They have gone and looked into the ark of the Lord. They treat the presence of God with irreverence. And they treat the presence of God, which dwells between the two cherubims of the ark, as an unholy thing. And friends, when we come into the presence of Almighty God, it is not something to come casually before, even in our own day. We ought to come with reverence and awe before God, stilling our hearts, because we're coming into the presence of God. And this is what we do in the public worship of God. It is a great and wonderful privilege we have. God's special presence. And to show its seriousness. 50,000. Over 50,000 die. Grace was the demonstration. Of their poverty. Of their poverty. See. Man needs to be reminded many times. Of his lack. And how God lacks nothing. It's one of the things we really struggle with. God in no way, shape or form. Gains anything. From us. Mere creatures. He lacks nothing. Before the foundation of the world. Of himself. He was sufficient. Of himself. Abundant in goodness. He doesn't gain anything. From. From. The creation, because God didn't lack anything. God is glorified, yes, in the creation. His His glory shines forth, the heavens declare the glory of God. But our God is unchanging and unchangeable, lacks nothing, but we do. We lack. We are in great need of God. We are the creatures. Even before I mentioned that we're sinners, we are created of the dust of the earth. We're creatures. We have been made by God. And so we depend upon God. And in this great warning and reminder, they see. They have forgotten. But they see once again. They lament. They take it seriously once more. Just as you go to the doctor's office, you hear that bad news. And perhaps you're doing something that's not very good for your health. But that bad news shakes you out of That casualness in your life. Well so it is here with this. This stark reality of death all around them. Over 50,000 of them dying. Shakes us out of our complacency. Which we can all fall into. And the Lord may bring things into your life. And my life. To shake us out of our own complacency. And then there is mourning. Because death is no friend, it is an enemy. We need help to get better. Now our mourning must not be despair. It must not be despair. It must be a turning unto the Lord. It's a despair of self. It's a despair when we look inwardly. But when we look out, we see Christ as glorious and wonderful and to be cherished he rescues us looking unto the lord and look how they lamented in verse number 2 all oh, the house of the lord house of israel lamented after the lord it's not very easy is it for us to see our imperfections it's not very easy for us to acknowledge at times where we fall short and our great deficiencies, and how we may have been doing something for years that is sinful. We struggle with that. But friends, the way to grow and turn unto the Lord is first seeing where we fall short, and then the Lord is there with great help. A time of need. We need holiness, but we need it from another the Lord Jesus Christ. Our second point this evening that we're going to look at is putting away. Putting away. Verse number three. Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. In this book of First Samuel, in earlier chapters, the glory of the Lord has departed from the camp. Why? Sin. And then the ark of the Lord is taken. In our text, it has been returned because of the great judgment that it brings upon the Philistines. But the glory had departed. Sin was seen in Eli and his sons, especially his sons Hophni and Phineas. Under their leadership, the offering before God is abhorred. There's immoral relationships with women, and actually, when you look. And many of the sins that were taking place under the leadership of that day, Hophni and Phineas, it's so stri- strikingly similar to so many sins taking place in the leadership of the church across, yes, parts of Scotland, England, Northern Ireland. See, we'll read this in astonishment and see the things that Hophni and Phineas fell into. These sinful relationships with women. And leading into transgression of the people. But is it not happening in our own day? Eli does not restrain his sons. And great sin is in the land and in the leadership. Much sin and much idolatry. Friends, you'll see in many parts of the Bible. The great necessity of godly leadership. Pray for your elders. I hope you pray for your elders daily. Because of the magnitude of the work. And because of the seriousness of what happens when the body turns away from the Lord. The leadership is so important. And you'll see this as you look through these texts. But Samuel was a godly leader. And he tells the people of God what they need to hear. Probably even at times what they don't want to hear. But they need to hear it. They need to turn unto the Lord. They need to turn from the sin which is bringing this wrath and defeat. Before their enemies. Friends. We all have things in our hearts. Look at. Look at Samuel says here, put away the strange gods and Asherah from among you. The strange gods. These gods of the foreign nations. These idols from the surrounding countries which worshiped other gods. These false gods. And you may say this evening, I don't have any idols in my heart. Friends, we all have things we need. To shed from our lives. And it's only when we put away these things and put these sins to death that we grow and come closer to the Lord in our relationship. I'm talking about the true believer here. If you are an unbeliever here, well, you are still a slave of your sin. You've never turned to the Lord, you've never believed in Him. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, None of us have reached that final step of perfection. None of us have reached that final point. Which we will reach in the world to come. We are still sinners. We still have areas in our hearts and in our minds. That still serves sin. We need to search our hearts at times. Things that we need to put away. Things we need to put to death. In Romans chapter 8 and verse number 13 Romans chapter 8 and verse number 13 it says this for if ye live after the flesh ye shall die but if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body ye shall live the the Turning unto the Lord is not a one-time thing. If if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it is a continual growth in repentance and faith throughout your spiritual walk. You begin as a spiritual infant from the time that the Lord uh, brings life to your soul, that you look unto Christ, the author and finisher of your faith, and then you grow more in maturity as you grow to love the things of the Lord and grow to hate that sin found in your own heart, the strange gods and any Ashtaroth that may remain in your heart. We all struggle with such things, but look at what the the children of Israel did in that day. Verse number four, then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and served the Lord only. Do you see? To serve the Lord only is, it involves a turning away. A rejecting of the world, the flesh and the devil. And turning unto him. We are not to bring a religion of idolatry. Where we serve every false god and just say we're going to add another god to our collection. That is not the Christian religion. It is turning from idols. Many of them formed in their own hearts and trusting Jesus Christ and Him alone and saying, Thou art our master, Thou art our king, Thou art our redeemer. And to Him and to Him alone is all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. Not some of the honor, not some of the glory. You see friends, in order to turn to the Lord, it requires us turning our back on that which is against Him. In order to turn to light you must turn from darkness. In order to turn from good you must turn your back on that which is evil. You cannot serve two masters. Either you will love the one and hate the other. You will only be able to serve one master. Either God or mammon. Do you serve the Lord alone or are you Are your loyalties divided? We must put away that which is wrong in our turning unto the Lord. Number three now, pleading. Pleading. So we've looked at poverty, putting away. Number three now, pleading. There is prayer here in verse number six. And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said, there we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Verse 8. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us. Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us. There is prayer that is taking place and Samuel is interceding, representing them before the throne of grace. There's confession of sin. They say we have sinned. We acknowledge our sin. Those things that we have done we are wrong. Our defeat before our enemies is our fault. Not God's. He has warned us. He has pleaded with us. He has sent sent prophets over and over again. Have we listened? No. And God's people gather as one. It is powerful. Is it not? It is powerful. The the enemies of God when they hear of this. The Philistines. They heard of the children of Israel. Gathered together in verse number 7. What did they do? The lords of the Philistine went up against Israel. The world doesn't mind you having your own private religion. That you don't share with anyone else. That doesn't affect your life. That doesn't have any impact. Or cost you anything. The world. The flesh and the devil. Does not fear that. But it will come out. All guns blazing. When you stand. In open. Public. Worshipping. God. We need to not. Undervalue. The public. worship. God God dwells among his people. And it is a blessed thing to be in the presence of almighty God. And in that midst of that gathering. In the midst of that public worship of God. They cry out to Samuel to pray. And And they're earnest in this prayer because they fasted on that day. Fasting helps us see how weak and frail we are. Fasting helps us focus, not on food and drink and the other things, but to focus upon our true heavenly food and drink, the Lord Jesus Christ. So they're earnest, they're pleading with God. It's not a casual conversation. It is them pleading with God and they're crying out to Samuel. Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. There is one greater than Samuel who prays for us today. Do you know him? There is one who stands in the gap. There is one who represents us before the throne of grace, and it is the reason our prayers are heard at all. And it is in him and through him and of him that our prayers are heard. And it is to him that all the glory goes. Our prophet, our priest, our king. The Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. And verse number 10. Isaiah 53 and verse number. Sorry verse number 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. You see how Samuel points to a word, one far greater than Samuel: who intercedes for us. We seated the right hand of the majesty on high who has ascended into heaven, who remains there, who who intercedes for us because our our sin would get in the way of our prayers. But because it's in and through Jesus Christ, our sin does not come in the way of our prayers. Who represents us? Our second Adam, the one who kept the law and every jot and every tittle so that when... The prayers are heard before heaven when we're pleading before God, fasting, weeping before him. He hears us because this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I don't think we understand what a great privilege we have to be able to plead before God and the wonderful intercession that we have in and through our mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. So often we can think of prayer as something that God tolerates us. As if we're coming like a child who nags his parents for a toy. And sometimes we can think of prayer as if God is tired of our prayers. But because it's in and through Jesus Christ. It is a pleasant sweet aroma. God will never tire of your prayers in Jesus Christ. Do you see this? Not for one moment. It is a pleasant aroma before the throne of grace. Put it another way. The Lord delights in your prayers. The Lord delights in you because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. And because of this, there's the hope of deliverance. We are delivered from those who would wish to do us harm. As it is and as it was For them facing the Philistines which caused them to be afraid. Do you see that? They're praying, they're turning unto the Lord, but there's still fear. At the end of verse number 7 it says, they were afraid of the Philistines. We have fears, don't we? We have those things that cause us Anxiety. There are those things we wouldn't even dare share at times with other Christians. We are afraid of things. We are afraid. We are mere finite creatures of the dust of the earth. But God is all powerful. And the more we are afraid. May we use it to cry out to him. Whatever is causing you. We said a few weeks ago that these are opportunities. These moments of crisis are moments of opportunities to cry unto the Lord. Our fourth point and final point is peace. Peace. So poverty, putting away. We must see our poverty. We must put away sin, turn to him. This pleading unto the Lord. And it's also turning unto the Lord is the way of Peace. Peace. In verse number 13, it says this in our text. So the Philistines were subdued and they came no more into the coast of Israel. What, ha- what happens when those who wish to do you harm in this world are subdued? When the threat is removed, when the teeth of the lions are removed, when the weapons are taken away, there is peace. And the one who wishes to do you harm. Their weapons are removed. There is peace through this prince of peace. The second half of verse number 13. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. All the days of Samuel. See this is why we can have peace. He is that seed of the woman. Genesis 3.15. That crushes. The head of the serpent. Now we may seek peace from those who wish to do us harm. But do you have peace with God? I don't ask you, do you have peace with yourself? A lot of people in the world will say, well, I have peace with myself. And people in the world will even say things like this. I have forgiven myself. Friend, it is not you needs to give forgiveness to yourself it is you need it from God and it is only through Jesus Christ he is that perfect lamb that was sacrificed in verse number 9 Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord and Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel and the Lord heard him peace is only possible when another Innocent one takes the punishment. Dies in the place. The, that sweet spotless lamb. Figured. Pictured here. In our text. Finally seen in the New Testament with John the Baptist. Behold the lamb of God. He taketh away the sin of the world. That's who they point toward. And Samuel took this lamb and offered it. And cried unto the Lord. Because it is only through the Lamb of God that we can be heard, that we can have peace. Without peace with God, there is war with God. There's no neutrality. Either you are at peace with God in and through Jesus Christ, in and through His perfect payment for sin, or you are still at war with God. And friend, that will not end well. War with God is madness. And there are many, countless, billions of souls across this world creating the image of God, and they fight with God in their hearts. Some will even come to a church building such as this and hear the truth preached, and yet still fight with God in their hearts. It is a battle they can never, ever win. I pray that that does not speak of you. In verse number 14, and the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel. There's peace. But that peace brings restoration. Sin brings much loss and decay and torment. But through the prince of peace, there is restoration. Actually, far more. In, in, our, in this, we see what has been lost to the enemy has been restored we gain far more. We gain the riches of the kingdom. We gain the greater David, the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> the enemy loses to God. The enemy always loses to God. The enemy will be finally crushed and defeated at the end of time by God. And throughout the Bible, we see loads of examples of God's victory over sin death, and hell. So many forget God. So many forget this way of peace. Friend, do not forget this way of peace. It is the only way to lasting peace. It is the only way to have victory. It is the only way. That's in the world to come when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Verse number 17, and his return was to Ramah. This is speaking of Samuel. And there was his house. And there he judged Israel. And there he built an altar unto the Lord. So you're here this evening. You have peace with God. You've trusted in him. You've turned your back on sin. You rejoice in your king. What is the appropriate response to the person who possesses peace? Worship. Worship is the most important thing we will do in this world. Coming into the presence of God. Thanking him and praising him. Samuel he built an altar. Unto the Lord. It is what we will do. In heaven. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Though our bodies may get weary in this world. As we come To the public worship. As we come to the means of grace. Our bodies will get weary. And tired. And frail. And struggle. And we will have all the distractions. Of the world flooding into our minds. And the devil seeking to. Bring our minds to other things. Outside of the worship of God. But in. Eternity. These things will not be so. Our eyes will be fixed on Jesus. And nowhere else. Friends. We won't be able to take our eyes off him. And we wish. Don't we? So much with all our hearts. That the, the people on this isle. And people across Scotland. And people across England. And Wales. And Northern Ireland. And the Republic of Ireland. Would see him. As he is. That is the great need. Turning unto Jesus. So many of them live for the small dust particle riches of this world, the things that are so small. And the devil and the world and the flesh has him. But friend, I pray that you have turned unto the Lord, that you have seen your poverty of spirit, that idols are no more as enticing to you anymore, that you fled from them. And that you cry out, pleading with God in your prayers. To help you. To bring deliverance for you. And that you would find peace with Him. Turning unto the Lord. That is our great need. That is our nation's great need. And without God, we are weak, frail, and defeated before our enemies. May we have Victory in Him by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray now before Almighty God.